0: Listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. To win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rex, oh, what a pass to Anders. A team
1: his Toys fires, she converts. Rhymes again. Upside. shot. Good
2: Pull-up three in transition for Angela Harris. Giroux says not tonight, not in Houston.
0: we have got to have a championship organization. Drexler,
1: what a pass to Anders. A king follow. Doyen Branch fires, she converts. Rhymes again. And, it's and Pull up three in
0: transition for Angela Harris. DeRose is not tonight, not in Houston.
1: It's Andy and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam and Jamma presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. My name is, like I said, Andy Yanez, and you can find me on Twitter at AYanez underscore five.
2: And I'm your second host, Justin Barbosa, and you can find me on Twitter at JBarbosa underscore 95. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, so as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And Justin,
1: we have a jam-packed show today. Today, uh, that we're recording. It's Wednesday, October fourteenth, um, two thousand twenty, and it's certainly been a busy day in regards to to men's and women's basketball at the University of Houston. But uh, we'll jump right into it uh, in regards with the men's basketball. Uh, University of Houston head coach Kelvin Sampson had media availability earlier today where he spoke to reporters and really he gave a lot of good information and, and kind of uh, announced uh, it's not a, an official announcement, but kind of confirmed what their schedule will look like for the 2020, 21 season. Uh, and specifically in regards to the non-conference games, he basically flat out gave out five of the seven non-conference opponents, the university of Houston will play. And um before I get into any specifics uh Justin do you have anything you want to add with a busy day in the end the NCAA just announced that they're going to add an extra year of, of eligibility for for winter sports and and football I know we don't talk a little uh too much about football in this podcast but all all FBS schools will be eligible for bowl games it's certainly been a crazy winter.
2: Absolutely, and it's good for the student athletes get one more year in case, you know, some, if some are uncomfortable about playing another year amid coronavirus, and it's good. They have that extra year and, you know, in case, you know, stuff gets a little better and they can come back from next year. And it's also just good to have an extra year, you know, help your team compete, giving them a better chance, you know, have that extra depth.
1: It's it's a good, good point that you just mentioned, um, Exactly. When you talk about opt-outs, the way it's going to affect winter sports. Um, On Tuesday, actually, UCF forward uh, Colin Smith actually decided to opt out of the 2020-21 season due to health concerns. So it's good to see that they won't be penalized or any student athlete that isn't comfortable with with, um, playing this season, uh, regardless of the reason they're not going to be penalized for it. So it's certainly... um, a nice touch, you know, uh, for all fall sports, um, they're kind of in a similar boat where they were given this year as an extra year of eligibility. And it's good to see that these athletes are being given the flexibility to decide on their future and however they choose to, to use that extra year. Yeah, Justin, it's interesting that you point that out. Um, just last night on Tuesday, um, UCF forward Colin Smith decided to opt out of the the season uh, for the Knights due to health concerns. So like you mentioned, it's going to be a really good uh, form of flexibility for, for the student athletes in the winter sports this season for both men's and women's uh, basketball hoops. Like they they kind of get that pressure taken off them to have to make a decision where they won't necessarily um, make a decision that they're not comfortable with.
2: And I agree. Uh... Heard some news before the football season. There's actually a few players that had COVID before, you know, getting back into football. Actually had some heart conditions from the virus and decided to opt out. And it's a good thing to have this option to opt out, you know, try to get healthy before they come back within another year. And, you know, it's just a good thing to have just in case, you know, just be safe.
1: So, Justin, let's jump right into the U of H non conference schedule portion uh for twenty twenty twenty-one. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Kelvin Sampson was able to give uh kind of paint a better picture of what that schedule is gonna look like. And he kind of gave uh five of the non conference opponents that, that Houston will play this season um, right off the bat. Um he talked about Texas Tech. Um really that uh multiple team event that U of H is gonna be a part of. They're gonna be in, Florida, in Orlando, Florida, they're going to be in a, in a four-team tournament, which is going to include Texas Tech, Gonzaga, and Auburn. So U of H will play Texas Tech for sure, and then they will play either Gonzaga or Auburn, depending on the result of their game and the result if they can beat Texas Tech. In addition to, to those potential teams, um, the other three non-conference opponents that Kevin Sampson gave away today was uh, the Rice Owls, U of H and Rice, will play again this season. Um, I know they had a good uh, back and forth last season uh, where U of H was able to pull out on the road in Rice. Um, that game will actually be at the Fertitta Center, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this year, um, Houston will travel to Alabama to take on uh the Crimson Tide, uh, that's going to be one of the other games in non-conference that they've managed to, to keep. And then they will also host South Carolina at Fertitta Center. So, um, Justin, just right off the bat, what are your initial thoughts from those five potential matchups non-conference? Uh, in total, U of H will play seven non-conference games and uh, 20 conference uh, games after the American Athletic Conference, moved to the 20-game format, the 20-game double round robin for 2020-21 for just to kind of due to COVID. But um, that's really kind of the breakdown of U of H's schedule, at least from the beginning. It'll be 20 conference games, seven non-conference games. And I just listed off five of the potential seven non-conference games. So just right off the bat, what are your thoughts when you when you see those teams, when you hear those teams?
2: I think it's a big upgrade from the non-conference schedule from last year. And getting also a couple more Texas teams in there, especially for some really you just had a big Texas matchup going against Texas Tech. And last year, Texas Tech had a small setback after making it to the title game in 2019. Went 18 and 13, 9 and 9 in the Big 12. But this was really a young Texas Tech team Had a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores and Looks like only just like two seniors. So they got a lot coming back next year, and that should be a good matchup for U of H. And also, the crossroad matchup of Rice was good last year. That should be another good game. And really excited for the Auburn and Gonzaga games because those teams were really, really good last year, especially Gonzaga. They were a monster team before, you know, COVID ended the season right before the tournament.
1: Yeah, and when we talk about the Texas Tech's record a season ago, they went 18-13, and uh, only 9-9 and in conference. um, Really, when it comes to to their roster this season, they're going to have five freshmen, uh, one redshirt freshman, but only two seniors on this team. So this is certainly going to be an interesting lineup for the Red Raiders. They're going to be led by junior guard Kyle Edwards, who a season ago averaged 11.4 points a game and 1.2 steals. Um, when it comes to the other two potential matches that U of H might play in the uh, Orlando tournament, uh, Gonzaga obviously the the basketball powerhouse. When it comes to to NCAA Division one basketball, they were thirty one and two a season ago, but uh, they actually are going to lose their leading scorer and really overall best player a season ago, which was Filip Petrasev. Uh, I might butcher that last name, but he actually uh, opted to go pro this summer and not pro in the NBA. He decided to go pro in Serbia, but he actually averaged 7.5 points a game and 7.9 rebounds for the Bulldogs. So certainly going to be a, a big piece that they're going to be missing Um this season. And then the third opponent that U of H could potentially play in the tournament will be Auburn who finished 25 and six a season ago. They went 12 and six in their sec conference, but they're actually losing their top five uh, scores uh, from a year ago. And they, four of them were seniors and uh, the one uh, Isaac Okoro uh, declared for the NBA draft. So it's going to be an interesting type of matchup uh Kelvin Sampson said that this tournament will not be the first um, action that they get this season. So they're actually going to play beforehand. He said that he expects U of H to be able to play the first day that the NCAA allows uh, basketball games to happen, which will be on November 25th. So it'll be interesting to see which one of these non-conference opponents is first, but certainly it's going to be an interesting round of opponents to kind of, Get that first taste to see what U of H would look like this year. Obviously, they're, they're not going to be without their top three leading rebounders and Chris Harris, Fabian White, and Nate Hinton. So they they might be struggling a little bit early to try to find a, a key identity. Last obviously last year their identity was was that rebounding and their defense. So it'll be these are certainly the, the three interesting opponents to kind of face right off the gate.
2: It's definitely going to be a tough situation coming back after the tournament was canceled last season and really getting back into the rhythm of how they play with defense, offensively. And it's going to be a big test, too. Those are really, really good opponents UA just going to face in that tournament up in Orlando. And we just have to see how they do after the loss of uh, Nate Hinton and Fabian White out for this season. And we'll see how. Caleb Mills and Marcus Sasser will step up along with Quentin Grimes and some of the newcomers, see how they'll do in their first action and really see how Reggie Cheney does as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Reggie Cheney. Um, Samson was actually asked about him uh, on Wednesday morning, and he um, he didn't go into too much detail with him. Um, he kind of gave the basic generic coach answer. He, Certainly said that he is a, a player that, that hustles and he's a good overall fit for for the Cougars is what Samson said, but um, he still doesn't know too much about him considering that um, U of H never recruited him. Uh, it was actually Cheney that chose to come to the Cougars. He wanted to be here. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic. And like we mentioned, um, the Cougars aren't going to have Fabian White to for this season. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can that role and add depth at the front court that the Cougars are really going to need.
2: And definitely so, because they're going to need a lot of help in that front court position. Now that and Whites out for the season they're going to need Bryson Gresham to step up, Reggie Chaney, and maybe even the, the newcomer Powell as well.
1: Keyron Powell. They certainly have a lot of high expectations for for Powell and. and... Really, chain, really all their big men. I know Bryson Gresham's gonna be a, a senior, so they're certainly gonna expect a, a strong season from him. And um, like we talked about uh, in regards to also the whole that Nate Henson leaves. Uh, we kind of talked about this in one of our our previous podcasts, but I think to start the season, it's certainly gonna be interesting for the Cougars just to see who kind of steps up to those. The holes that had, that those players have left. Uh, what I'm really interested to see is who steps up as that vocal leader that that Nate Henson was, and uh, obviously one of the key candidates, in my opinion, would be Dejan Giroux, But it'd be interesting. It's just going to be interesting to see how quickly they adapt to, or how quickly they find a new identity, and really, it's interesting to see what what that identity is. Yeah,
2: it's going to be a lot of. Uh... Really testing things out and see how some plays goes and longer chemistry, especially, you know, filling out the hole without Nate Hin and Fabian White up in the middle. It's going to be more figuring out like with team chemistry and to get things rolling once again, since they haven't played since March before you know everything got canceled.
1: Yeah, real quickly, just I know we're running out of time here in the first segment, but uh, the three other non-conference opponents. I touched on Alabama; they they went sixteen and fifteen a year ago. Uh, Rice, another non-conference opponent, uh, they finished fifteen and seventeen a season ago, but they played U of H um, in November um, to begin last season, and that was one heck of a game. Uh, They the final score was ninety seven to eighty nine, and It'll be interesting. It probably won't be as strong as an at- atmosphere as that game was just because of all the coronavirus restrictions and guidelines and all that stuff. But every time the Rice and U of H means, meets, um, really, you can throw the records out the window. It's going to be an intense game. And you know, last year, Quentin Grimes led the Cougars with 32 points, and they did and had a double-double, and Marcus Sass stepped up big. But, you know, that game's always going to be special just in terms of the Houston-Rice rivalry. And then uh, the other non-conference opponent, South Carolina, they finished 18 and 13 a year ago. They also played U of H. Um, The Cougars won that game 76 to 56 in South Carolina. And another big game for Quentin Grimes. He led U of H with 24 points and Nate Hinton again, he's showing up under the stash with a double double. So just kind of like we touched on, it's certainly going to be a key to see who can fill that Hinton role. And um, really, I think, Uh, how quickly someone is able to step up to that role is going to determine how fast uh, U of H can see success early on in the season, especially on the quality of opponents that they have.
2: I think that role shouldn't shouldn't be too difficult. I mean, it is a big hole, and uh, I think either Marcus Sasser, Caleb Mills, and Quentin Grimes can really step up next season, really all three of them together. And, you know, make this team special for this upcoming season.
1: Absolutely, Justin. And one final point before we, we head over to the second segment, uh, the other two non-conference games. Um, Calvin Santos did not mention the name of those universities, but he did mention that they will be um, – they are schools where the traveling distance can be – you can get there on a the bus ride. So I'd imagine it, it'd be a, another inner – it could be an inner city rival or maybe a inner, another interstate rival. Uh, or anyone that's close by. So it'll be interesting to see one once they do announce the make the official announcement which of those uh, final two non-conference opponents are. But uh, so far, this non-conference schedule, certainly it's not going to be a easy one at all. It's certainly going to have, it has headliners all around um, when you look at it. And it's certainly going to be a good test for this University of Houston team that they have their aspirations high. They have their goals for a national championship. And coming right up, we talk a little bit about how the University of Houston men's basketball team has had to deal with coronavirus, not just the guidelines and regulations that they've had to abide by, but also uh, some summer troubles that they had with the with players getting the virus and how they've been able to adapt to that in the fall. Coming right up on Pod Slamma presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for Houston Hoops. Uh, in this segment, we have a special treat for you. We have a direct audio clip from Wednesday mornings availability by Calvin Sampson, where he talked about how U of H has had to battle through some coronavirus issues and how they've handled it.
2: And we are back for the second half of pod slamma jamma presented by clutch city control. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. And on this segment, we got a special audio from coach Sampson from the media availability on Wednesday, where he talks about the difficulties of the coronavirus. It was just, um, you know, unusual to say the least, uh, but
0: um, we were no different than anybody else. You just kind of deal with it. But September September has been pretty consistent. Um, um, you know, we've had positive, you know, we had some positive tests during the summer. Um, we've had no positive test. We've had no positive tests in in the fall uh, so far. Uh, we've had some kids that uh, got popped for contact tracing, so they had to uh, uh, isolate um, for two weeks. Um, but you know, that's that's the new norm. You know, to say that it's it's unfair, it's 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 what it is. It's, it's just the way the country is. And, you know, um, I always try to keep things simple with our kids. You know, I've been to Alaska and I've been to um, uh, Kuwait. If you're in Alaska and it's cold, you should put your coat on. Uh, instead of complaining about the cold, just put your coat on. If you go to uh, Kuwait, uh, it's, it can be 135 degrees out there in that desert. Um, take your coat off. You, know, you just adjust to where you are in the situations you have. That's that's kind of what we're doing.
2: And that was Coach Samson on the difficulties of trying to prepare for the season through coronavirus. And really just Andy, just saying uh they kind of just have to adapt to the situation and go from there.
1: Yeah, a couple of the things actually stood out from that clip. First of all, uh uh, I, I don't know. I just find it funny whenever he said a couple of his athletes got popped uh, for contract chasing. That kind of made me laugh when I first uh, heard it when he was speaking, uh, when he was speaking about it live. Um, but yeah, just uh, when it comes to the specifics about that, like you, this off season has certainly been, uh, a, you, you kind of struggle to say more difficult. Uh, it certainly had a whole bunch of different set of challenges, uh, like they had originally um, the U of H men's basketball team was originally given the green lights to, to come back in early June uh, for optional workouts. And that got shut down after uh, a few days. I think it might've been a week or two where they had to shut it down for, for a while, just because they had uh, student athletes test positive. Um, and then once they did come back, I know, uh, well, I won't say the name of the, of the student athlete that, that was reportedly had, had dealt with uh, the virus. But um, they did have uh, a couple of players that, that got the coronavirus and hadn't come back uh, when, the, when the full team originally came back in mid to late July. And just it's been on and off. Like they haven't had when it comes to all the guidelines he was talking about they, where they've had to abide by the CDC guidelines like they're the way they've done their workouts right now where the off season workouts, they, they have not done much as a, as a entire group, as a team. Uh, for the most part, a lot of it has been into individual workouts where maybe they have uh, groups of three or four. And like uh, Samson said earlier today, um, or earlier on Wednesday, um, like they've, it's been really strict what they've been able to can and can't do. And just like, even, the way that student athletes have had to enter through through the facility the development facility like they have specific entr- entrances that they have to walk through and just like every time they would open a, a door or something like that like it had to be done with a with a towel like uh, I know Huey talked a little bit about it whenever um, he was on the, the podcast where um, they keep talking about red towels that they keep using to open stuff just like doorknobs and stuff like that and um, the players themselves haven't even been able to be in the locker room just because of the, of the space and all the, the guidelines that they've had to abide by. So they've certainly been limited in what they've been able to do now that they can officially practice as a whole team. they're certainly going to be, I, it's hard to say that they have to catch up, but I'd imagine they're not in a spot where they'd normally be uh, just about a month and 10 days really until the season starts.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of stuff there. I mean, to really go through all that, just to get the team ready for the season. And and I think that's the most difficult part, just having this group of three or four just for a workout. And that kind of hurts the team chemistry as well, trying to build that up. And it's just going to be a very, very different season. And we just got to see what happens and how they can progress once they get to official training camp, since we're about, you know, a little over a month away to the new season
1: yeah and that's a good point you just mentioned it might uh I wouldn't say it necessarily hurts uh team chemistry but what I would say it it kind of limits and we talked about how Nate Hinton is leaving a a hole in terms of um that vocal leader and if the team isn't together for hasn't been allowed to be together for a while like as a a unit it's certainly going to uh, it certainly makes that finding that vocal leader kind of draws it out because there's not a, a lot of opportunities where the team has been able to be as one and, you know, kind of one player starts rising and, and getting that, 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 um, that role, that unofficial role.
2: So Andy, which uh, one of the players do you think will be one of the more vocal leaders for this upcoming season?
1: Uh, Yeah, like um, really the candidate that I would say that's going to be the leader in terms of uh, filling that vocal role that Hinton left behind, I would have to put uh, Dajon Giroux up there uh, really just because he's going to be, this is his final year. He's the senior of the team, him along with Bryson Gresham. So I certainly would, I think he would be a top candidate to to fill that leadership position um, if you want to, you know, go for for. If you want to think outside the box. It, it could be. I think Caleb Mills and Marcus Sasser are good. They're going to be leaders for sure. Uh, the problem with them that with Kelvin Sampson, they're not necessarily like the most vocal type of, of people in general. So they're not necessarily going to take the team by 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 the horns and like tell everyone, okay, you know, this is what has to be done and all this stuff. Uh, Sasser and Mills are kind of leaders by examples and uh, Samson did talk a little bit about it on Wednesday and really the way Marcus Sasser specifically leads like he leads by example he talked he had an instance where Sasser was um, early for like two or three workouts and you know he Samson talked about how that's you know that's not going to stand out in terms of you know getting the attention of the team quickly but it's certainly going to stand out as, like, he's setting the example. Like, this is the standard, especially for young guys. Uh, another person that, that could fill that role is Quentin Grimes. Um, I know he's kind of a little bit in that boat where he's not necessarily the most vocal leader. Uh, but certainly he's going to be the – the. now that he's coming into his second season with Houston, he's more of a – familiar with the, with the team, with the university, with Sampson, with the coaching staff, expects, and really he's in a position where – he could just focus on playing basketball and the, the better he does uh i think it'll certainly he'll start kind of coming out of the shell and feeling himself i know samson has talked a lot about how he's kind of embraced uh, the university of houston more and then he did a year ago and he's kind of talking he, he is doing that leadership role where he's talking to the young guys he's talking to guys like traymond mark and just talking to guys like traymond mark and kind of being that veteran uh playing that role of the veteran uh, for those young guys. So I think those would be my top four candidates. Um, i put Dejan at the top just because of he's more of that vocal leader, but you can't count out Quentin Grimes, uh, Marcus Sasser, and Caleb Mills. Who do you think could fill that role?
2: I think it should be uh, Dejan Giroux that'll fill that leadership role. I know he had a kind of a down season last year and, and is coming into his final year. Should really take a big step up and kind of get his groove again. I know he broke his hand for the season last season, and hopefully he can get the guys motivated. And he's also one of those uh, guys defensively that can really help out. And then once he gets going on offense, you know, moving the ball around, it's when the Cougars are really dangerous. And we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Another name that I'd like to throw out there that, you know, I hadn't thought of until now, but Bryson Gresham, he's going to be a senior also. So don't underestimate that leadership. I, Kelvin Sampson described him as like the grandfather of the, of the team. So like similar to, to Mills and, and Sasser, he's not necessarily going to be the, the most vocal guy out there, but just don't, don't count out what um, the seniors can do in their senior year is certainly embrace more of that challenge to, kind of bring along the younger guys. So I'd certainly put, like I said, i put Dejan on top, but don't discredit any of the other four guys in terms of Grimes, Sasser Mills, and and Gresham.
2: That's going to do it for today's episode. And one more thing, Andy, do you think the Astros are going to extend the series tonight?
1: Uh, If I had to bet, I would say there will be a game five. Uh, But, yeah, man, I have never seen a, a First of all, give credit to the Rays because they are literally making every defensive play possible. But I just have not seen as bad of a look. I guess it kind of reminds me to that Red Sox uh, series in the ALCS in 2018 uh, where the Astros just can't get a break. But I got to you'd have to think that eventually they'll catch a small break. So I say they get it tonight in game four. And uh, we have a game five on Thursday.
2: What do you likewise. think? Uh, likewise, because, uh, yeah, Rays have been making every defensive plate, so really the point, it's getting annoying. Just, and then it's just to the point, like, it's acceptance. Like, all right, this team's just really, really good defensively, and you just got to tip the cap to them. And I mean, the, there's, like, multiple games where the Astros could threaten or, you know, in a normal game against other teams, like, yeah. a hit would have dropped for a single, at least a score. Yeah. But, no, this is the okay. Rays. like, bases loaded or a fly. Ball each time the rays were there.
1: No, yeah, you got to give credit to the rays, especially their outfield. I can't, I don't know specifically the name of that there, but he made like two diving catches on in game f- uh, three, and um, yeah, just really every play, like whenever they, I know, I think there was a stat where in, in each of the three games that the astros have had the go ahead run on base or up at the plate and at in the ninth inning, and they have lost every single game. That's why I, got, I gotta imagine that eventually they'll catch a break. But you know, if I had to bet, I'd say it gets extended game five, and we'll we'll see where it goes from there. Unlike the NBA, one team has come back down three zero, so it's not impossible. It's not impossible. And uh, that's really gonna do it. That's it for for our show. Um, just I'm kind of I'm gonna throw one more thing at you. We, did, we didn't go over this, but uh, head coach for the Rockets, who, who do you get? Jeff and Gundy, Ty Lue, or someone else, a wild card?
2: Man, that's a lot of tough choices because I hear uh, Sam Pussell being linked to the Clippers job and Ty Lue like being looked at by us and the Pelicans and other teams. And recently with Jeff and Gundy, we're really the only ones trying to get him I might have to go with the, one of the wild card coaches. I might go with probably Steven Silas from the uh, the Mavericks. Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting.
1: Truth. Yeah, you don't really um hear his name tossed too much in terms of head coaching um for the Rockets. You don't hear his name tossed a lot. If I had to guess, I'd probably uh. Sh- it's interesting because I think Tyronn Lue has gotten the most coverage out of all the candidates. Um in terms of when he was here to interview with the Rockets. I know Jeff and Gundy interviewed, or he was supposed to interview on Wednesday. So It'll be interesting. I, if I had to lean, I, you see, I'd lean Jeff and Gundy, but then I had this other person kind of talk me into Tyron Lue. He kind of made me buy in a little bit. So I think I'd be okay with either. Where the Rockets actually go in that direction is a totally different thing, um, especially just the way they handle it in terms of if there are more, it kind of lets, them, uh, lets the head coach choose his own staff and and stuff like that. After a couple of false ends, <laughs> Justin was finally going to do it. Uh, that's going to be it for our show. Uh, thank you again for, any, for everyone that um, stuck with us throughout the whole uh, podcast, and we certainly hope that you not only enjoyed the show, but once again, we thank you for supporting us. And um, if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast.
2: If you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysts, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options.
1: As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again back on the next episode of Pod Slamma Jamma, your home from University of Houston Cougars basketball.